You are listening to the Living on Purpose podcast with Pastor John and Sam, and we are here with episode 27. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is going to be a two-part episode, so you know, so we'll do part of it today and then part of it next week, so tune in for that. So here's the question. Is it normal to doubt my salvation? How can I know if I am saved if I feel I am constantly making mistakes? Man, this is quite a question, isn't it? Yeah, that's deep. Man, I just feel this question in my core as a follower of Jesus. We have all had this thought at some point. Mm -hmm. Every one of us, we've all doubted our salvation at some point in Jesus. And, you know, I remember as a kid, often I would ask Jesus to save me. And then five minutes later, I'd ask Jesus to save me again because I thought I prayed the prayer the wrong way. Or I did something to my sister. Maybe I hit the cat. I don't have a cat. You understand the idea. (laughs) And so, man, this is a question that really I think is relevant for all of us. And so our listener continues on with his or her thought of really, I feel like it's discouragement by quoting 1 John 2, 3 through 6, where it says, we know we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he says is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made perfect or complete in them. This is how we know we're in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus lived. So, man, you read that and you think to yourself, oh my goodness, I can't live as Jesus lived. Am I a liar? Am I truly a liar? Because I just, I can't do that. Mm. So our listener continues uh, his or her thought with, it's a thought that often comes to my head and through the ones God has placed me in charge of, that we may not be saved because of how often we see ourselves fail. Does it make me a liar in accordance with this scripture? And then he or she goes on to read or quote 1 John 5, 13, where it says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. And the last thought that uh, he or she gives is, am I just overthinking this clarification would be fantastic. And and then here she thanks us for taking the question. So, hmm. man, this is a big one, right? I mean, I can just feel the pain in our listeners. So I want to set your heart at ease a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I want to encourage all of our listeners to understand some really important things today. Sure. So it begins with the what. Understanding the context, I believe, is key to a reliable application of the scripture. And that's how we should always interpret scripture, right? What does the Bible say? What's the grammatical, historical context? What was the author intending for us to understand? And most importantly, in that time period, what was he saying to his immediate audience? And so I would say the letter of 1 John was written for the express purpose of reassuring Christians in their faith, encountering false teachings. And that's really important. Sometimes we read through this and we don't understand the false teachings that were going on in that day. Like today, we have different false teachings. The idea of universalism, that everyone's going to go to heaven, that's a false teaching. Uh, The idea uh, that you're saved by what you do, by your good works, that's a false teaching. Uh, There's many different false teachings that are out there, okay? So this small letter to the churches was written to dispel doubts and to build assurance by presenting a clear picture of who Jesus Christ was and is. There were those who had entered the church, as I said, as false teachers, And the thing that they were denying was the incarnation of Jesus Christ. They were denying that Jesus Christ, God, the Son, entered our world in the flesh. They were denying that. So the focus of John the Apostle is to combat heresy 
realize that his strong wording here is not for the person who has accepted Christ as Savior and struggles in a particular sin from time to time. That's not his intention here, but it's for the person who claims to be a Christian, yet his life is filled with A, doctrinal error, and B, lifestyle inconsistencies. In other words, he's living in such a way clearly not to be a follower of Jesus. And so the key to understanding this letter is having a proper understanding, again, who Jesus is and who he claims to be. And so 1 John chapter 1 and verse number 1, from the very beginning, it's a note that, that John gives to us that's really important. I believe this is the dividing line. Who is Jesus? How did he come? What did he come to do? Um, and what now for us? And so the Apostle John is declaring something that we take for granted when we read this. And I bet you've read over this a hundred times if you've read this little letter and not thought about this. But he's declaring the physical reality of Jesus. He's saying that Jesus was there in the beginning, John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then it says in verse 14, the Word became flesh. Became flesh, right? Mm-hmm. Then, then John intensely here in this beginning here in 1 John remembers his experiences with Jesus and hearing him preach, seeing him perform miracles, talking to him face to face, and even affectionately touching him. So 1 John 1, 1, the Bible says that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched this we proclaim concerning the word of life. And so he's making a very important point that most of us read over and not think anything of, but he's saying that Jesus Christ came physically in the flesh, and it's important for us to understand this. So right away in his opening remarks, he gives us this reality. Now, there was a destructive issue in the church at this time. It was called Gnosticism. We've talked about this a little bit before on uh, previous podcasts, but the word literally in the Greek means knowledge. So the Gnostics were advocating a dualistic belief that the physical was inherently evil and the spiritual was good. So false teachers were declaring that Jesus did not come in the flesh. This basically um, was to preserve him from evil. That's how they viewed it. They also claimed an elevated knowledge above the scriptures for those whom they initiated into their ranks. And the Apostle Paul warns about this in Acts chapter 20, verses 28 through 31. So the result of their beliefs, in essence, was an apathy toward the sins of the flesh, resulting in all sorts of gross abuse of their bodies since the physical is evil and will be destroyed eventually anyways. So think about that reality. They would uh, participate in all sorts of gross sexual sins and in all sorts of debauchery and drunkenness and revelings and all these things that they were part of because in their minds, the physical was evil and would be destroyed anyway. Hmm. And so that was their take. That was their understanding. The context of Acts chapter 8 verses 9 through 24 tells us about Simon, the sorcerer. Many people believe he is the father of Gnosticism. He amazed people with his witchcraft. He claimed to be united with God. Uh, he was all the rage, the Bible tells us, until Philip came preaching the gospel. People begin to follow Philip because anything that's authentic and real, people truly want right. over time. And that's what takes place. Simon panics and the people begin to leave him. And the Bible tells us that Simon even offers money for the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is incredible that he would be that nearsighted to focus on truth 
in the wrong way. Yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? And so that's what's going on uh, in uh, the early church when John writes this little letter, 1 John. So what John does is he counterattacks, right, those mindsets that are against the true gospel. And so he gives us a series of tests of authenticity, what is real, what is genuine, what is something that we can rely upon. Now, we think in our own lives, right, we come to church, we're part of the church, and we're looking for something that's real, something that is authentic, something that is life-giving and life-changing. And so the first test in the very beginning, as I've already mentioned, is the test of a proper view of Jesus Christ. He goes on to say in verse 2 of chapter 1, the life appeared, we have seen it, and we testify to it. Who is he speaking of? Jesus. Jesus, right? And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was from the Father and has appeared to us. Who came from the Father? Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. And he appeared to us, right? And so he says in verse 3, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you may also have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And so that's really important. The first test that he gives us is a proper view of Jesus. Now, why is this important? Well, we don't have a lot of time to get into this podcast in this particular era, but I do need to tell you this. It's really, really important that Jesus would come in the flesh because we needed to have a Redeemer that was completely God and completely man at the same time. Completely God because if he would have died and not risen from the dead, then he's just like everyone else, right? Mm -hmm. But he is God. He overcame sin and death. He crushed the enemy. He crushed the devil through the resurrection. But it's really important that we have, the Bible tells us in uh, the book of Hebrews chapter 4, that we have a high priest that we can relate to. And Jesus is that one. He was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without, without sin. Without sin. He was the spotless lamb. So it's really important to understand a proper view of sin. Then the third test, which really is what our listener is asking, okay? Mm -hmm. It's really what this podcast is all about, is a commitment to obedience. So the question is, do you desire to be obedient to Jesus? Are you attempting to be obedient? Not in your own flesh, but in the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within you. And so for us, as we take a, you know, a look into First John, we have to understand the context of what's going on here. And I think sometimes it's easy for us to commit a sin or to struggle in the area. And what happens, we feel as if we're not saved because we feel guilt over our sin. But we need to remember, right? The Bible says that God has removed our sin as far as the east is from the west. I just want to encourage our listeners to understand that just because you feel like you're unsaved doesn't mean you're unsaved. Thank you for listening to today's episode, and please tune in next week to hear part two of this discussion. Uh, if you have a question you'd like to ask, you can email john at weareemmanuel.life, and we will answer your question on a future episode. Thanks for listening.